This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. You are now tuned in to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. My name is Nick. And I'm John. Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 6 of the show, titled Phase Space. We will not be discussing the next time on preview at the end of the show, but we will be spoiling everything through Season 2, Episode 6 of the series, so please pause and go catch up if you're not current on the show. You can find more episodes of our podcast on Westworld.fm. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can send feedback to WestworldFM at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to patreon.com slash MidwestPodnet. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-P-O-D-N-E-T to pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K, who's pledged at the level of $10 a month. Uh, no corrections this week, but we do have some feedback. John, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Hey, John. Thank you. Here to offer the, the video game uh, insights into the show Indeed. that Nick and I somehow avoid, even though we both play video games as well. We always, By the time we touch on it, I feel like we're always like 98% done with the episode. We're like, yeah, this is like video games. Bye. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we never dive into it. Uh, but we did get some emails this week. We got one from Fred C. Uh, about episode five and various musings. He said, it's so odd how Bernard is totally disregarded at, uh, by everyone at the HQ. I think he's talking about the two week later timeline mm-hmm. with Strand there as well. Uh, he's like a houseplant that leads me to believe that the theories about them, quote unquote, Delos, knowing he's a host. After last week's episode where he snapped the red chestnut from the lab, I think that he's now Arnold and is in complete shock of how his creations are being slaughtered. I feel like he's pondering, how did it come to this? I hope this version of Bernard snaps out of it soon because he's getting annoying. Uh, I think we'll get there. We'll we'll talk more about it shortly, but I think you're on the right track. Uh, I've heard multiple people theorizing that the that the hosts were fished out of the lake are some type of Trojan horse. I'm not completely ready to buy into that, considering that the Dallas crew are ripping all the brains out of those hosts, searching their memories. They won't be very effective without those mind eggs. However, it could get pretty interesting once they crack open the newly upgraded quote-unquote rage monster Teddy. I bet that guy has seen some shit, or he may jump off the table and go fucking ultimate, ultimate warrior on their asses. Not sure which scenario I want to see play out more. <laughs> If Teddy actually like had the face paint and hair of Ultimate <laughs> Warrior, that, that's my vote. That'd be pretty good. I'd be down with that. Uh, Shogun World is fucking amazing, but I'm honestly ready to move on with Maeve's mission. Hiroyuki Sanada is such great casting as the Ronin. I hope that he and his counter, counterpart Akane continue their journey with Maeve's crew. Unfortunately, we saw this episode that they do not. Speaking of Akane, holy shit, she turned that Shogun into a fucking Pez dispenser. That was brutal. <laughs> and speaking of brutal... What I first thought was a tattoo, I think, was actually a cherry blossom carved into Sakura's back. Shogun World takes their brutality serious. They certainly do. Then talk about hit it and quit it Dolores, put it on Teddy, then had him pr- reprogrammed. <laughs> that was cold. In the immortal words of Belle Biv DeVoe, never trust a big button to smile, Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm more and more frustrated with Dolores' character who preaches freedom but really wants the hosts to be free to do what she tells them. With his new upgrades, Teddy may keep things pretty interesting, which will be nice because I'm growing tired of Dolores' storyline as well. More on that shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred finishes out saying, In contrast to Dolores, I'm really loving how Maeve is evolving. Her finding her voice seems to be her finding that she is connected to all the hosts around her, giving her the ability to sense and project commands to them. During the ninja attack, she could sense what everyone is doing around her, as well as the coming attack. My concern with her story is that she will find her daughter and she will be with her new mother. Will she want to break that bond, or better yet, will her daughter want to be mentally freed? Or will she react like Akane and keep up the great show? Thank you, Fred. Lots of good insight there. Indeed. Thanks, uh, a lot of it we will touch on in the following episode. We did also get an email from Matt, uh, but we will come to that afterwards because he's reacting to the episode that came on this week. Cool. So, um, one thing I wanted to note, the previously on segment of the show, did either of you guys notice that it was a little different than it usually is? Absolutely. Yes. There's like barely any words, just kind of rhythmically edited and like sonically interesting kind of sound effects and just, it was awesome. It was sweet. <laughs> I was like, I wish they good. like only did that because they tend to like just dump a bunch of exposition that will be important for this episode in those. Right, which but can I, sometimes be a bit of a spoiler. It yeah. tells you which way the episode's going. Exactly. And I like that this one was more of just kind of like a tone poem of like, this is where we are with everything. Let's get back into the show. Yeah, I mean, it kind of helps that this episode literally like brought everyone's storylines into the light as opposed to us ha- taking a week off from like certain characters. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was it was nice to have it kind of like I feel like the next few episodes are all going to be like this where it wraps everyone into it because everyone's kind of converging on the same thing at this point. So, yeah. So it's a little easier to kind of keep track of everyone. It felt to me like it might there's a chance that it might be like sort of a foreshadowing but flashbacking of like someone scrolling through all the memories yeah. Of them, like oh, shuffling yeah, through like cards that. in a deck, kind of like, oh, here's what happened there. And there's a, like they're looking for something in particular, but we're just catching up by way of that. That's very that interesting. That could be interesting. Yeah. Because it was very striking. It was like the same as the aspect ratio changing. As soon as it started, I was like, oh, wait, wait. <laughs> a couple A couple times, it'll run like one of those HBO trailers yep. for all the shows, and it's just random scenes. I thought that's what it was at first. When it kept going, I was like, oh, this is the episode. And I was like, oh, what the hell is this? Yeah. yeah. And it felt like someone flipping through a photo album. Yeah, it was it was very cool. It was very strikingly different. And I wonder if that's like, it was that was a... They're flipping through the lore book in Elder Scrolls, yes. you know, trying to like figure out... Trying to find which, which Draugr <laughs> yeah, this is. Exactly. Well, I'm like, is that... Well, I wonder if it was like a director choice or if it was just something they wanted to do or like why? I hope there's something more to it. That would be fantastic. So I guess we'll see. We'll have to come back at the end of season two and rewatch it. All right, listeners, there you go. Yep. Mine, mine's blown for the week. Yes. Have they been Great editing? job, guys. I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Good work. Have they been editing the uh, the title screens, too? Like I haven't noticed differences I, I, from I haven't noticed either. Yeah. I wonder okay. if there's really tiny things, but I, I watch every one, and I'm kind of like, what's new here? But I, I keep seeing new things, but I'm convinced it's just me like, for some reason, picking out new stuff. The thing that really stood out to me with the titles this time around was the very end of them, like the, the Westworld uh, mm-hmm. Vitruvian host. Yeah. Uh, in the like underwater, essentially like that. Like I, I, for some reason, hadn't picked up on that until now. And like, I don't know. I just, I think that's been there. Like, and yeah. it, the it probably like, has. I just, I thought, I, I saw it, and I was like, okay. Like, so they've been hinting about the water thing, like since literally the beginning of the season. Yes, yeah, I think. So. Yeah, I noticed that one in the first episode because I didn't know not to tie it in with the water yet. But I, in season one, it was like the host, the new host emerging from like Coming the primordial the stuff. Right, and, and then now this he's one, like now they're like being drowned essentially, yeah. like being forced back under. Yeah. And the, man, it's awesome. 
so what's, good. What's season three going to be? Oh, who this, knows? Can't even talk about it yet. We can't even talk about it. Like, you watch the credits the first time or whatever, and then after that, like, I kind of ignored them, you know? And then, like, for some reason this morning when I was watching the episode again, I was like, oh, okay, like, that's for some reason, like, maybe I didn't pick that up on the first episode of this season, so. There were a few people that told us that were like, or at least, I don't know if it was people that I know in life that listen to our show, but they were like, I, uh... I just kind of skipped through it or didn't even notice until you guys like said something about it being different in the first yeah. episode. So I, I think it's it's one of those things where because the music and everything is the same, you can kind of like be like, oh, I know this. And then right. people probably pull out their phone or, you know, check just their... Skip it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm always tempted to skip it, but I enjoy the music too much. It's so good. And I hone in on like a different shot every time. Like the very first time when we talked about it, it was the buffalo crashing through the, the glass. Like the glass. Yeah. And now the, in this most recent episode, it was the way that the hair... It's cool the way it's working through like a weaving loom essentially, but yeah. I never had really put together the way it's it's converting like a raw material into a hair. It looks kind of like combing, oh. but it it goes in clearly like a, a, a raw material is the only word I have for it really, or phrase, and then it just comes out like this beautiful hair. And I, I had always like seen the two, but and I'd always put it together and said, okay, it's kind of like a comb, it's kind of like a weaving loom, it's kind of like a combine harvester of some sort. It always reminded me of piano strings too. Yeah. Like, so and there's a piano being played, of mm-hmm. course, but yeah, something every something every time grabs my attention differently. Yeah, it's going to run out good. of shots pretty soon. Well, into the episode recap, we return to the ultra wide screen aspect ratio, and Dolores is having a conversation seemingly with Arnold for fidelity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to talk about this without talking about later stuff. So I don't know if you have anything in particular that you want to call out ahead of time i just when i saw this initially i felt as though um dolores had printed herself and arnold was what it was like she because she uh had such affection for him previously had remade him in a way to help assist her yeah on her path i think in some ways that's true but i have another theory about it all that will make more sense after we talk about the cradle because i I Please continue. What were you going to say? Continue. <laughs> That's what I said. Uh, I thought, I mean, I think we all thought initially it was another Arnold Dolores flashback from when he's making Dolores. But then after the, the kind of twist is revealed, I thought it was Ford making Bernard through Dolores. Ford using Dolores as his like... I can't think of... I'm sure there's a correct programming term for it. But essentially because Ford is old he can't well and he's a human who can't perfectly remember arnold's interactions that yeah he can't remember the the details but i think also uh bernard has always been like james delos i think he's kind of always been this hybrid and he needs he ran him through like all the same testing basically and uh he had to use dolores for all the reasons like you she has total recall and she can be like an intermediary that yeah. also Arnold trusted implicitly, whereas I think him and Ford kind of started to come apart at the That's end. true. I am of the mind after watching this episode that it is Ford in the cradle reconstructing Arnold's consciousness to implant into Bernard. So this scene, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. The as- everything in that aspect ratio is happening within the cradle. Yes. The cradle essentially being like the grid. Yes. And now I just need to go back and rewatch the entire season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. Alex says that every week. He's like, <laughs> every time. no, it's like this horrible, uh, you know, you've got to rewatch one hour and next you get to rewatch two hours and now it's going to be four hours and yep. it just grows. It yeah. doubles yep. every time. 
By the yeah. end of the season, I'm just rewatching all of Westworld from when we record. To yeah, the next like on, time we on Tuesday, you're like, <sighs> <laughs> you got two seasons worth of Westworld to watch now. And so every time we're in widescreen, as soon as Bernard enters the cradle, we go to that ultra widescreen, yes. which means, in my mind, that everything in ultra widescreen is a simulation. Is in the cradle. And the way Dolores says fidelity, it's the same way that old that young William said it when he was testing James Delos. So I think Ford, uh, we'll learn next week because clearly Bernard and Ford are going to have a have a discussion of some kind. Unless I would they think. skip it like a bunch of trolls yeah. and it's episode eight. <laughs> God, that would be so suck. annoying. We go. It's going to happen. <laughs> but I think it is Ford. Ford is using the cradle to recreate Arnold because Arnold died, but he has Dolores, who has the Total Recall. He's mentioned that Arnold left a piece of him in all of the hosts. He's in the cradle pulling the little bits and pieces that he knows are of Arnold together. Like, I think it's ultimately, I think that's his end game. And I think that's what these scenes signify. It could be just, just what Ford was doing when he was making Bernard. But I think if we string it all together. No, that makes a lot more sense because as I was reasoning out my, my thought, you know, the, the technology for a, a human-host hybrid, essentially, or a human implanted in a host, the technology wasn't there yet when Bernard was created. Yeah. So. Or it was, like, that, somewhere that, along the, the way. That's the biggest, but, right away, the biggest yeah. leap. Because we, we know that even when William visits James Delos, like, days before coming into the park in, in season one, he's still not quite there yet. And I guess the thing is, is, like, did Ford somehow realize he could use the cradle for this technology? But like, like I guess, why were they making physical copies of Delos? Did they perfect the digital copy? And then we're like, all right, now we need to put it in a host and figure that out. And it was hitting the cognitive plateau. Maybe like what? So the there's, sensation well, it, being, I mean, it, it being back in the, in the real world is like, is the thing that being, he says that the, that the reality, mind reality. rejects the host, the, the body that they're in. Like his, his consciousness was rejecting the body. Right. He well, said it also like it rejects reality, right? The reality yes. becomes too much. So maybe it's making that leap out of the digital realm into like a physical, like being able to feel the real world again and know you are actually in the real world, not in the safety of the simulation. Possibly. It just reminds me of like all the times we as kids were growing up building computers and there was always like one component that didn't quite work right within like the software is built like yeah. windows was built and then mm-hmm. installed onto a built computer mm-hmm. and somewhere in there there's a component where like the wiring just wasn't quite right or like soldering was a little bit off on something on the circuit board so at some point like you got to pull all of it apart again and start from scratch and figure out like where the little tick is that's ruining everything. And once you actually sort that out, you piece the computer back together, you load the software back on, you run a test, it doesn't work right, you pull you it find back. find the next one. Yeah, yeah and then it's, it's just, it's all debugging is what they're physical, doing. And it's physical debugging of... Yeah. So what do you think Ford is doing now in the cradle that is beyond what everyone else can do? Do you think it's because he has the cradle at his disposal and he has this massive network of all the hosts that he's able to draw out every little bit and piece of Arnold? I think we're getting really far ahead in the yeah, episode. Yeah, we are. <laughs> but, I, but I, yeah, yes. I think he's just he's he's literally just he's he's playing the puppeteer. But, I mean, what, what's, what does he have that, that, that William, William and Delos do not is, is my question. That I don't know. All right, maybe I we'll get know. there. I think it could be Dolores. I think Dolores could be the key because she has that total recall. That would actually be really interesting too because William has spent all the years since he was young just With shunning Dolores. her and well just also oh. just being like 
you're just another one of the things. You were special to me once, but now I know you're just another tool in the drawer. But really, but she, she might was be the, the ultimate. She's the OG tool. She's the key to perfecting the, might the be. human host. Or hybrid. at least the human host with the, this particular human. Yeah. Ooh. All right. That's good. Let's move on <laughs> to the next scene. Uh, terrifying Teddy, as I've dubbed him. He's also been called Grizzly on the subreddit because he's no longer Teddy <laughs> he's Bear. He's a Grizzly Bear. Uh, terrifying Teddy fakes us out, reaching for the same can Dolores drops, but picking up a bullet God, from behind so it instead. Good. It was very, very good. That was so good. On the streets of Sweetwater, I should say. He visits Dolores in the Mariposa to complain about the wasting day, and Dolores seems impressed with the new Teddy, but ends up surprised and a little concerned when new Teddy seems so flippant about old Teddy. Dolores tries to get more info out of the QA tech as to where Abernathy is, but Teddy doesn't have time for the, his shit, so he executes him before Dolores is done, shocking her. Angela seems impressed, and Phil the tech is positively horrified. His name's Phil, apparently, by Phil. the way, as we learned. As I learned when I looked it up on IMDb. Uh, what do we think about new Teddy? <laughs> I'm really surprised that new Teddy is aware of old Teddy. That he yes. remembers, or at least has access to that. That I did not expect that. I expected him to just be like a new character. But they didn't. They didn't wipe him. They just increased his like anger and whatever. Yeah, else, pre- like, presumably they just like changed his personality. I guess they but. buffed his stats into asshole mode. Yeah, but the implication wasn't that in the last episode. He he said like, if I what, what was his what was Phil's? He said something like, "There's no going back from this" or something along. He those said, lines "I don't know if I can put him back together" or something like that. It was uh, along those lines. The the implication to me was that it was a more extreme process than simply dialing up the stats. Phil says, are you sure you want this with changes this extreme without a full reset? I can't guarantee that he'll hold it together. I guess maybe because we haven't seen a, a disclaimer like that yet. It was it struck me as being something different. Like he was literally being erased and a new personality dialed in. But it's weird because he is still Teddy. He's just. But I think that's where the full reset Dark. thing would have come in handy. Like he says, without doing a full reset, which they obviously can't do on the go. They've got to take yeah. him to one of the labs to do it or, or yeah. something along those lines. If they can't full reset, then he's going to have that backup save like still in his memory. And mm. then they're just going to build on top of that, this other character. So maybe Teddy's going to end up like... He's more like Maeve right now, if anything, then, huh? Because she didn't get reset. Kind of like Maeve in the sense that she altered her own code through Felix and Sylvester. Yeah. Without getting reset her, her old, everything is still intact and she is able to build on it. Like you said, and like kind of access it. Yeah. But this Teddy's new stats have been pushed in this direction rather than just all directions. Yes. He doesn't have maybe the intelligence, just anger. I will say there was a fake screenshot or something out there showing what stats were adjusted. Somebody posted it on Twitter and then it disappeared. It did get picked up on Reddit and it was weird because I remember it like I saw it and I was like oh that's cool I guess you could go back and screen grab it and then when I rewatched the previous episode they don't show that part of it at all. Hmm. So that was strange that Hmm. it happened that way and that whoever posted that screenshot i think it was like a journalist or something i don't know maybe not yeah i I got i got the idea that they all they did was like buff his stats they didn't really take anything away necessarily and if they did take anything away it would have maybe been like some of his compassion i suppose like it seems weird to me that he is so he seems very bitter about it he seems kind of bitter about it to dolores of like the 
Like, especially later on well, when he mentions something about how he, oh, you must have programmed that out of me too. He's he's conscious of, of her wanting this quote unquote freedom yeah. still. Like he's got that in him, but he realizes he's not free at all. He like he's, he may be more sentient at this point, but he's also realizing that like he has, he really doesn't actually have any control over what he's doing because she still has a hold on him like through his code. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a very... This isn't going where I thought it would. <laughs> Which is probably good, no, considering but... the Dolores... Where 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 I was on Dolores as of the last episode. It's making me more interested in her story arc at this point because yeah. it was super boring up until now. And now that Teddy's like a fucking maniac, like I'm all about it. Like I want to see where this goes. Like, I, like, I like that he's kind of backfiring on her already or could potentially backfire on her yeah that was one of the comments i made to alex is that i think she's going to regret doing what she did because he's going to somehow turn against her or something along those lines and phil the tech is also not around anymore to help yeah so if teddy begins like sowing some dissent among the followers saying like she just reprogrammed me like i'm not even well i don't get to choose and angela angela's like We've seen Angela as like the right hand man of Dolores, and Angela's very like impressed and taken with Teddy. It seems you feel like it could I mean, come on. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, robot affair. That's what we're gonna yeah. get. Maybe, 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 maybe there another, was some. Another, uh, we make another take on the Teddy. Yeah, butt Teddy counter. butt counter. Yeah. Maybe the Teddy. <laughs> maybe the image of Teddy's butt made it through the mesh network, and Angela was like, "All right, <laughs> swoon." It was shared. Yeah, that was a really funny moment. I saw like a funny comment that said something about Angela biting her lip at the at Teddy. Yeah, it was like, it was like man colon dies and then Angela colon bites lip or yeah. something <laughs> like that. It was that was good. I saw that on Reddit, but uh, yeah, I don't know that there's anything else. The host version of there. Facebook. He hit the she hit the like button. She yes. was like, Ooh. yep. Absolutely, heart, big who's, heart. Who's this guy? Host who's, this, who's this big strong man? Yeah. She host, just host she just book. swiped right on host book for. Uh, <laughs> I also really like uh, it's James, how James Marsden is playing him. Just yes. like right away felt really yeah. different. I was like, oh, this is cool. Yes. He did. He he no longer had that like innocent look on uh, his yeah. face. He just looked like a total fucking hard ass. Yeah, he mm-hmm. doesn't even look like a like a do gooder. Yeah, like I'm, would even I'm about it. It ma- it definitely makes this story arc like way more interesting now. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I totally bang him. After his release <laughs> from Ghost Nation, Stubbs meets up with Hale back at the Mesa. <laughs> Hale notifies Delos that she has Abernathy, and then they take Abernathy down to the body shop, body shop to have him nailed to a chair for safekeeping. The baddie shop. The baddie shop. Ba- take him to the baddie shop. <laughs> <laughs> gonna go on down to the baddie ship. Yep. Uh, Jersey Shore, Westworld. Yeah. <laughs> Jersey World. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> There's something Jesus-y about... De- it's your uh, time all the time. About uh, Abernathy being nailed to the chair, yeah. right? Like that's there are so many biblical uh, references throughout all of this. Show. Yeah, yeah, but it, it just se- it struck me as like, all right, they're literally nailing him down to the chair. I was surprised they didn't have his arms splayed <laughs> out. To be yeah. honest with you, yeah. Um, weird <laughs> that Stubbs is kind of sympathetic towards it too, being the guy in the first season who's always kind of like. Uh, yeah, there's just a string of code that's gonna prevent these things from killing us. Blah blah blah. And now he's kind of like, well, he got to use the nail gun. It was it's weird. I, to I me. think he knows now that there's something like there's more to them. Like they actually are feeling and like you know remembering, and they can recall information more so than what he had thought they were. Do you think Stubbs is still Stubbs? I think I think Stubbs is still Stubbs. I, I want Stubbs to be Stubbs. I do too, but I for some reason I feel like maybe. There, like he's got a couple copies out there too. 
you know. I'm, I'm now every single character that walks on screen. I'm like, is it a host or not? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see a cold storage full of stubs. Oh my god, <laughs> the stubs are like just sub like a really storage. bad CGI shot too. <laughs> Just like scrolling past no, all the there's stubs. Like, there's like seven different versions a, of him doing that, different things just copied over and over again and mirrored. It'll be to that look scene like. from The Phantom Menace when they drop all the droids down and it like zooms out. Yes. Like. Yeah, or the scene in The Matrix where all the guns go by. Yeah, it's yeah. Just all the but stubs it's all stubs. Racks of stubs. Oh, God. Somebody please make that. And they're like, pick your stubs. Yeah. And they're all the same. <laughs> I don't. I don't know this one. Take oh, the, good, excellent choice, sir. I'll take the compassionate one. <laughs> oh, I don't oh, know. Man. Yeah, I mean, there there are only like two or three characters that uh, honestly kind of rung a bell where I was like, that might not be who they are, and uh, I'll talk about the other one later. Yeah, I, I well, in part, I don't know. Like, I, I, go ahead. Could he have gained some type of, as John was saying, like gained some type of respect for them, seeing that they've now kind of like started killing everyone and must be some kind of sentient. I think it, it's a combination of that, and he's also seeing just how cold and clinical the process is for all the humans. Like everyone involved at Delos is so, they're not even treating it like it's a human-like experience. They're treating them literally like broken computers that need to be like picked up and corralled and even down to like the the co who shows up and is talking to him on the roof and everybody's just so belittling to him he's kind of mm-hmm. like man these people all suck yeah actually. he gets shit on and i you know i don't think he deserves that but he definitely as as charlotte reveals like was not clued in on much of anything uh, at no, all yeah he was almost just like a figurehead he, he and he's yeah i think it, like they're definitely shaping him up to be the scapegoat with her being like yeah your next performance review is gonna go great like it it seemed so weird to me that they would blame him, but I guess they got to blame somebody, right? Th- that's why it's interesting. Yeah, I feel like he's really being set up for a fall. Yeah. And at the same time, by being so, by them not playing the, their game smartly, by being so belittling and demeaning to him and kicking him around, he's 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 got the, an ego that is kind of unlike Sizemore's. You can kick Sizemore around and he'll take it because he's a survivor. He's like, whatever, I'll just get by it. But Stubbs will pull a gun and shoot you. I think he's more of that type of person who might, you know, you push him far enough and treat him like an asshole long enough and say like, you're going to be screwed once this is all over. He'll probably fight back. Right. And maybe his experience with ghost nation has given him some of that empathy of like, this is what Mm -hmm. the humans could be doing to these hosts. And I don't know. It's just it's interesting. Like I think Stubbs has more in common with like a Hector or um I forgot the name of um the Ronin uh outlaw. Uh Musashi. Musashi, yeah. He has more in line in line with those type of guys where I think he's willing to go out in like a blaze of glory if it's the right thing to do. And uh you know, I don't think he'd be afraid to make a stand against Delos because if they're already clearly painting the picture for him that he's screwed. So Yeah, then he has nothing to lose. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was one other thing that I was going to say, and I'm going to try and remember it. Maybe I'll think of it in a second. Next up, the Shogunate camp in Shogun world is littered with dead Shogun warriors. Akane recites a prayer over Sakura and takes her heart to transport it back to her home. Maeve sees the prayer and is reminded of her own daughter, and she rips a sleeve off of her kimono to keep the heart safe in. Uh, nice gesture. Yeah. I tried to look up anything about like removing hearts in Japanese culture, but I couldn't really find anything. That doesn't mean that it's not out there. I didn't like spend a day on it. It was like a five minute Google search and I was like, Oh, it doesn't seem like anything's here. But 
it's not something that I've ever heard of, like a heart being taken home rather than a body. I was just surprised by how like human the heart looked. Yeah, well, and that, I think Which that goes lends it to the whole Delos being part of the medical field now. Blah blah blah. Yeah, like like I think the hosts in all but their brain. Oh, that's what I was gonna say about uh, about Abernathy. Why don't they just take his brain out? Why is he still in the body? Just remove the brain. Maybe they don't know. Ship well, it away. No, she know she knows because she put it in there. Like take the brain out. Why couldn't that brain? I don't know. That they could have just taken that brain out, and Sizemore could have gotten on the train himself with it. Maybe. Yeah, I, Abernathy's a big mystery, I think, to everybody. Yeah. So, but anyway, um, hmm. but yeah, I, as I was saying, I think the the hosts are. We kind of had the same conversation about Blade Runner, Nick and I, where I think in the original, like after Tell the me. original Blade Runner, we were thinking. We at least had the impression that the replicants were still robots on the inside somewhere. Mm. But after Blade Runner 2049, I was more of the mind of like, no, they like organically grew these androids. Definitely in 2049. I, I still don't yeah. think in the original one necessarily. Okay. Like, because the thing I keep coming back to is James Hong making the eyeballs. Yeah, exactly. And they seem like organic tissue. I think the hosts are completely organic tissue until you get to the brain. Is kind of my except for the fact that like there's this little port that Bernard can like slice into your mm-hmm. inner elbow and then hard port into you, right? But like we see them being like slurried through that white material as like you're building the muscle around them and stuff like that. So I've always kind of been of the mind that like they are they are tissue, right? And they can be healed the same way as humans can. We see, unless of course the man in black is an android, as you. As you want to with be his, true. With his bionic arms. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> and we'd mentioned maybe bionic legs, too. I'm yes. praying. I'm praying for it. It's possible. Are they... T- I, I guess... And I'm not trying to split hairs or talk about this, but I actually wondered this about this episode. Are they tissue in that... Will they decay and decompose? Do we know? Maeve has MRSA at one point in season one. Like, the, the bullet is in here. Like, they find out that she has MRSA what somehow. It's a flesh-eating bacteria. Okay. So it's, it's for all intents and purposes, I think it's like synthetic tissue. Like, wow. it is man-made tissue, but it's tissue. I was wondering later when Felix just tumbles through there into that room, The f- literally the first thought in my mind, before he even emerged from the tube, I was like, oh, that room has a stink. Oh, yeah. Like, I just thought, and then I wondered, because I haven't seen anybody react to, like, bodies, like, like in a scent kind of way. But I wonder if they decompose but don't give off... The normal effects their actual flesh does. I don't know. Maybe it's an know. ultimately super unimportant. Yeah, but I was curious, like the Still level of immersion, because Sizemore is always talking about how immersive the world was supposed to be, and I wonder if it is just that hardcore, where like even like you know Rebus comes up and you're like, whoa, that guy reeks. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would think so, but um, yeah, Akane's prayer, I think, was was pretty interesting she mm-hmm. says breathing in breathing out moving forward moving back living dying coming going like two arrows meeting in the flight in midst of, meeting in flight in the midst of nothingness there's a road that leads back to my true home which and it's all with this like rhythmic breathing that she's doing as well it seemed it seemed very um i don't know it's just very prescient with a lot of the themes going on in the show the idea of balance yeah for sure but it was good it was very good 
I thought she cut her own heart out first for a second. The way it was shot. <laughs> made me look I thought she like was she, committing suicide. I thought, yeah. I thought so at first too. And then I was like, oh, she's still alive. And then when she held up the heart, I was like, why did she do that? And then I realized, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm a dummy. Yeah, I, I, I thought the way that it was shot, I, I thought the same thing. But in the end. Uh, but yeah, we can move on to uh, the next scene. In the Shogun world equivalent of Sweetwater, Maeve and her crew return to find Tanaka has taken Musashi, Armistice, Hector, and Hanario prisoner. Maeve attempts to reprogram him and to set them free, but Musashi interrupts, offering a duel instead. Akane requests that Maeve interfere with the fight using her magic, but Maeve says we each deserve to choose our own fate, even if that fate is death. Musashi eventually beats Tanaka, taking his dueling hand off and offering him his sword back to kill himself. As Tanaka stabs himself in the stomach, Musashi takes his head off, and with that, the crew are off to Snow Lake. This is the samurai fight that I wanted out of the previous episode. I actually started I laughing at the part where he had the two swords and held them out like this, and Kim was like, why are you laughing? I'm like, because Alex just totally <laughs> lost his mind at this part. Yeah, it was very good. I was, I was much happier with the Shogun world in this episode. I did really enjoy the um, tribal drums in that particular segment. Yeah. I thought it was very... The music in that whole fight scene was awesome all the instrumentation yeah, in, in shogun world has been great there's a they do the Westworld theme in 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 the japanese instrumentation later on and it's really really good yeah like it's i guess it's not the Westworld theme but it's the same theme that we heard in the raj and mm-hmm. have also heard in Westworld. and to kind of compare the three different uh instrumentations i think is very interesting copy paste yeah yeah um. No, it was a good duel. It was very nice. I enjoyed it. He certainly took that dude's hand off. I was concerned that Musashi was gonna reveal that he got hurt somehow. Because I feel like you know. No, he's way too badass. Yeah, apparently. I thought it was interesting that he seems like awash with emotion afterwards. Like obviously, when you have a fight like that, your your adrenaline's gonna like take over essentially but it seemed like it was a little more than that to him i think kind of him him uh demonstrating that he was the ultimate shogun like he he because i think he was previously the shogun general was the idea yeah right and then he had left and tanaka was like oh well i'm clearly better than you and then musashi just was kind of like nope yeah, just when he when he took off his head, I was expecting uh, that random skeleton to come flying in from off screen and take out Musashi oh, from Dark from Souls. Souls. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> once you win, that's what happens. You kill the enemy you're trying to kill, and then out of nowhere, something else comes and kills you, and then yeah. it's game over. But For sure. Yeah, he should have gotten an arrow through the head or something. Yeah, by something somebody. like just, that, yeah. just randomly. <laughs> I uh, I think part of it also had to do with Akane. I think he was also doing it for her yes he was defending her honor because she's definitely been shit on by everyone in shogun world for the last two episodes yeah and so it, he was definitely he had this like i really liked it i think for the same reason you're saying like it seemed like adrenaline wearing off like he seemed to be kind of shaking a little bit yeah but he like the way he looked up and kind of met eyes with her and there was like a barely perceptible like little nod to her almost like yep. kind of like yeah i got you like yeah well because he he is to akane as hector hector no, not Hector. Yeah, Hector is to Maeve. Yes. Yeah. So there's, yeah. you know, they have that companionship, and it's like uh, Sizemore said, like he didn't program them to do that. So mm-hmm. why are they doing that? And apparently, like it's a, it's 
extended far beyond just Westworld it, yeah. in that they've started forming relationships in yeah. Shogun world as well. So I guess that's kind of what I would want to know is how much of it was... Uh, since we don't have that much of a reference of uh, Akane and Musashi's relationship, right? I'm not really. I don't know if this. It is might not be the beyond. same, but it, they they clearly have like some understanding. Yeah, whether or not I, I I I question the programming of it all or not, right? Because to me, it doesn't seem like in in the type of Japan that they're portraying. I don't feel like there would be that many playboys that just kind of. Not too many fuckboys in Shogun world, you know? They're not just going around and doing whatever they want like Hector probably would. That's what I was just thinking, that the cultural lines seem very clearly drawn between them because, honestly, Musashi might be in love with her and he would never even, like, tell her, like, yep. can, can I take you out for a pizza sometime or anything? Like, he would just be v- very respectful and, like, he's defending her honor and that's it and he's going to stay with her in Shogun world and, like... He might just live in the shadow back, but he's just going to keep an eye on her, even if he like you know desperately loves her. Whereas Hector sees Maeve, and you know, I'm going to go for it. Like, yep. Why not? And that's one of the many reasons that the birth rate is declining in Japan. Well, and that <laughs> 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 all oh, the way back to the 1600s. West, West world is so much just <laughs> grubbier. Like everyone's way more just like foul. Yeah. Like I wouldn't even use the term outlaw to describe Musashi. But with Hector, right away, you're like, oh, yeah, he's an outlaw. Yeah. Musashi's probably, like, straight-edge vegan. Like, just doesn't, right. yeah. doesn't, doesn't drink nothing. Doesn't yeah. indulge in any way, except for killing guys who step out of line yeah. and talk shit to Akane. She's also, I think, a little more... She's in a position of a little more, like, reverence and respect than Maeve. Like, Maeve is, like, the madam of, like, this gross saloon and brothel. Yeah, yeah, it's cultural the, differences again. I mean, geisha yeah. were considered somewhat powerful at, at, to an extent, That's right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Uh, all right. The next scene, Lawrence, Old William, and Emily find a downed carriage. As Lawrence sends his cousins to check it out, Old William and Emily have a chat. At first, he thinks that Ford made a host version of her to mess with him, but Emily just wants to leave and will only do so with her father. Emily demonstrates her vast knowledge of the park by pointing out that the arrows in the downed carriage aren't Ghost Nation arrows, and she kills the people who set up the trap as they try to sneak up on Lawrence and his cousins. Um, I was very happy to get more about the Emily and Old William kind of storyline here. Mm-hmm. It's kind of something I've been waiting on. Um kind of hard to talk about this one without talking about the one with them later on but what did you think about kind of the first real exposure of that relationship i guess i think it's i think his initial reaction is great yeah i think it's pure gold i didn't it's not one i expected either Uh as soon as he said it i was like he would say that (laughs) (laughs) really good they probably haven't spoken for like the first couple hours that they've been together. Yeah, he just like looked at her and just kept riding and whatever she'll follow me or she won't um I like the fact that she's got more of the minutia than she than he does even. Like I think she's better at the game than he is in yeah. a lot of ways. She That's might true. not have the like I mean she does clearly have the brute force. She shoots those guys from pretty far away with a handgun. I'd be, yeah, I mean I'd be curious to know like if she played any role in the creation of the park too. Like, yeah. At some point like what what more did she, you know, is she just his daughter and like is just hanging around the sweet ass, you know, theme park like yeah. for shits and giggles or like did she actually help create what some did of he, it? Or? What did he make in her honor? Yeah. Or? He, he does refer to it as the family business. Yeah. Yeah. Later. yeah. yeah. 
And business is good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next scene, Elsie and Bernard head to the Mesa along the railroad tracks. Bernard comments that if anyone could write the ship by force of sheer will, it's Elsie. They enter the Mesa and find their way to a terminal where Elsie notes that while QA has been trying to regain control of the cradle, the cradle has somehow been fighting back despite the fact that it shouldn't be able to do so as it only stores host backups. Bernard suggests that they go straight to the cradle so they can see exactly what's going on. Uh, we do get some more of those like original Westworld score sound effects when they're in the Mesa here, which is always great. The weird like... Like I can't even emulate it very well with my mouth, but it's I. I, like no, I want to insert that though into an episode. Just your mouth. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Um, but no, it's very good. It's cool to hear them call back to that kind of thing. Um, she does note that they got climate control working, which is something that John, John and I were talking about before you got here, Nick. John seems to think that that could mean that they're the ones that are able to like flood the plane later on potentially the humans in control yeah but because if we if we dial things back to the whole biblical thing yeah the humans are essentially god yeah and they're flooding the planes and ridding it of sin mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. you know yeah no that's Noah's ark possible. style but it, like because of the fact that the cradle has been fighting back so much, I feel like the humans don't have control of anything that Ford doesn't want them to have control of. That's so possible. So it could still be part of his end game in yeah. some way. I don't know. We don't help really help know me yet. clarify this. Yep. So, and this is only because I just finished watching the episode recently and haven't gotten to get through it all. But what at this point where he's walking on the tracks with Elsie, when is this taking place? This is taking place. Roughly a week, and that's something that I didn't point out. We do hear Sh- Charlotte Hale say in this episode when she's with Stubbs that it's been about a week. So we are smack dab in the middle of the two weeks that are in between the timelines that we're looking at in this season. Now she's with Stubbs at the command center and these dudes who rolled in to retrieve Abernathy at the same time that Bernard and Elsie yes. are entering the cradle. Because when the train hits the building later on, they all hear it and react to it. Okay. That's my understanding. That's what I think is going on. I think they are there simultaneously. Well, that's you see um, Bernard and Elsie walking to the cradle, and there's guards below them on the floor beneath. Yes, walking through. So there are. Yeah, there's still other people there. The other thing is that we know in the two weeks ahead timeline that the cradle has been burned to the ground, essentially. So, and that's when uh, I forget his name every week. Strand, Strand and Mr. Costa, and uh, okay, are, are kind of hanging out. And he's like, Oh, they're all blank, they never had data on them. That all, all that stuff is two weeks later. And Hale and Bernard are with them, right? And Hale, be- yes, okay, Hale and someone in Bernard's shell <laughs> yeah. who may be Arnold or could be Ford, might be Dolores. I don't know, could be anybody. Hmm. So that's kind of, that's my understanding. I think Bernard and Elsie are at the cradle at the same time that Coughlin is the new QA extraction team head and Stubbs and Hale are all there with Abernathy in the basement. And then the train hits and Dolores is going to be there shortly. Okay, what I'm still trying to personally solve or in some way is why 
Bernard, when walking through where James Dulles was in that, felt he was with somebody else or that he had experienced this already. And when he said, I'm not here with you, am I? To Elsie, that's what's throwing me off still, where I feel like when we're seeing him and Elsie together... It could still be some other... Yeah, I'm not convinced that that's on the level, that that isn't happening in the two week later or even beyond timeline and Bernard is just remembering it from before. There's something about all that that is feels really hinky to me and I can't figure it out. That's entirely possible. Because that line was so jarring. It was it, it stood out to me like the way that when he said I don't see anything at all or whatever from season yeah, one did. Like absolutely. That, that line it made me just freeze in my tracks and I was like, you know, sitting still on the couch. The, I froze. I will say that when they actually get to the cradle, there is a little bit of time there when he starts to like he remembers being at the cradle mm-hmm. beforehand, which is when I think he took the red orb that he made and uploaded forward to the yeah, system. Yeah, and he was with one of the um the guys from Prometheus. He's losing cortical fluid because he had the brain taken out. Remember previous episodes? Like he's losing the fluid. He has to keep replenishing. I think it. he's I'm only thinking. losing the fluid because he got sh- he shot himself at the end. That's of possible, one. but that could also be them throwing you off from it. Like he, they had to cut his brain open and take out the pearl. True, too. And yeah. that's not going to fix itself. You know, where's it leaking out of? Do we know? We just know he's losing it. We've seen it out of his ear. Right? We've seen it leaking out of his ear. Was it out of his ear? Because I know it was out of the general's ear. But in, in at least Shogun in World. the first episode, when they cut back to immediately after Ford died, and he's in the barn with Hale, we see the scar on his head showing that he had been shot, and then Felix repaired him, and he has the fluid leaking out of his ear. He okay. touches his hand to his ear, and he pulls it away and sees the fluid. Okay. But... Uh, that certainly can add more confusion to it. You were saying Bernard was there with Prometheus guy. Yeah, when we see him in the cradle, he's with I forgot the name for them. Um, the blank hosts, essentially. Oh, the drones. The drones. Yeah, he's with a drone in that scene. I think I don't think they actually showed him at the cradle in those flashbacks. I think he was still that, in the lab where oh, he that was, yeah, that was, oh, that was okay. the lab where he picks up the the newly printed pearl. Yeah. yeah, the the chestnut? Yes. I thought okay, I was thinking for some reason that was also at the cradle and he was walking around with this drone like escort. Not yeah, I don't think they have shown him in the cradle yeah. previously okay. to when he put the Ford Because then I started in. to think maybe when he was remembering being by James Delos, he was with the same drone, like he was traveling with a companion. It was just somebody who wasn't speaking. It, that could be true, but we don't know yet. Yeah, that makes sense. And that would still be weird with the face the face blindness thing that we know that he has from the first episode, which I might still, just be a red For herring, some reason but. what I, I it feels to me like he's retracing his steps with Elsie with Hale. Like it feels to me like Hale is playing Elsie because Elsie doesn't feel like Elsie from season one to me. See, and that makes. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything. I just I read some crap on Reddit. I don't want to spoil. But it. even just the way Elsie, who is like master computer person, seems to keep winding up at terminals and going, "Oh, damn it, I can't do this," and then Bernard has to come over and do it. It feels like, and it's like some other movie. I just can't remember what it is though, where. Hale knows the touch points and she's getting Bernard back there and then setting him up to be like, oh man, can you help me with this? And he's got to come over and do it so she can watch him do it. And he's basically unlocking a series of things to get her where she needs to be. Interesting. Because there, we keep, but that's why I'm confused about where all this is happening. The problem with that is that we know that the, that the, that the, uh, cradles burned. Like, we, okay. 
this isn't necessarily a spoiler by any means because <laughs> it was something that happened if you were watching on any of the apps. Oh, but the yeah. Elsie, her name was replaced as Hale, like, and all the apps in with if you had subtitles on. On this, oh really? Yeah, that's a that's a, I didn't actually see any of that, but I, I guess maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention. But I did see people talking about that, which has this question thrown in. Like, so you, I think you may be on the right track. I think you might be on the right track, but I don't really, I can't see how it all comes together as of yet. Like you're saying, like the 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 timeline is all fuzzy enough that like, well, that's compelling. Haven't the subtitles been really wrong before in this in this show? Maybe but not to that degree. That's the thing is I think this one, like, they're they're claiming this one was a mistake, but I think it was intentional. You might be thinking of the alienist where the subtitles were They were always wrong. <laughs> fucking horrible. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, it's just, we keep cross-cutting between him with Hale and him with Elsie, and the more we kept seeing it, the more I felt like they were acting alike. And that, I, yeah, like, the, 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 I don't know, like, the, the thing. But the reason it doesn't make sense is because we see him find Elsie I guess that all could have happened. That could have been Elsie when he found her, and he may have actually gone through all this. But we are sitting a weird—we're seeing not sitting—we're seeing a weird mashup of both memory tracks. And essentially, he's remembering doing it, doing all of that with Elsie the first time, and then he's retracing his steps with Charlotte. And so, what we're seeing is the Leonard Shelby unreliable version of both. Well, and that is—that's very. That mirrors Dolores in season one a lot because we know she was on. We were seeing her experiencing the same loop on three different timelines, and you could use clues to kind of figure out which is which. Which is from which perspective? So the idea that they would do that with Bernard seems well, entirely also, possible. I guess the thing that I'm unconsciously also promoting is that maybe yes the cradle i mean we see the cradle we see the train was driven into it i presume because when they discover it with um i forgot her name too because i'm really bad with names in the show apparently but the woman who we talked about last week who's molly in, uh yes when she's when they discover the entrance to it essentially where the train went where dolores sent the train to explode i think that's the cradle right is that cradle underneath the uh um mesa yeah the cradle's somewhere in the Mesa, but I don't think the train was used to burn it. I think Dolores is going to burn it. Dolores or Bernard is going to burn it after they talk with Ford. Okay. Is my guess. Well, maybe the... I guess what I'm saying is that the Bernard Hale stuff that I'm proposing exists happens even later than the two-week-later timeline, that there is a third or fourth or wherever we are on the timelines <laughs> where they're just trying to recall undisclosed timeline where they're trying to figure out how he got to the cradle, how he got in there and how he did what he did, which I presume what he does in episode seven or eight or wherever we get more of the Ford stuff. We have yet to see exactly what he did. And maybe he did a mesh network wide mass killing of wipe hosts. And that's what they want to be able to do to save the park is essentially retrace Bernard's steps with Bernard, figure out how he was able to get into the mesh network and then use it to execute everybody and then start from scratch. They want to Dennis Nedry this shit from Jurassic Park. <laughs> but they don't know the magic word. And maybe the thing that's going to end up biting them in the ass is that he is Arnold. He is waiting for the catchphrase essentially to trigger him back into control of himself and full like maybe Ford after they talk plants something in him a phrase or a sight or something that when he gets back to the cradle again 
is going to put him back in control. He's going to flip the switch back on. All the hosts are going to wake up and it's going to be chaos. That's entirely it's be possible. Full, full apocalypse. Says, uh, and that is Westworld, everyone. Um, <laughs> is that what hailed? Who says it's not full apocalypse yet? Elsie does. Elsie does. Okay. Elsie. That, and that was something that I, that I wanted to mention. She does say something about how Ford, the system is still sending out Ford's, quote, bullshit quarantine notices, which is ha- had me wondering if Ford is trying trying to communicate with her in particular from within the cradle. Maybe because he knows direct how, her to how smart she is. Do something, yeah. Plus, but I don't and know. the last thing I'll say about this theory for now, until something else triggers it in my mind, is uh, it goes hand in hand with what you're saying, where Strand and company seem to all be dismissing Bernard as though they already know he's a host. So maybe yeah. when he wakes up on the beach, Hale and everyone put him there, and they want to wake him up. Are you okay, buddy? Man, we got some. We got some hijinks here. We got to solve it, pal. And then they, we they're, need just, your help. they're yeah. leading him through the motions. That's been something that people have been theorizing about since he woke up. So it's like that certainly is on the table. Okay. My, I've just been hesitant to think that. But I think with the timeline trickery that we know is going on, it seems like it's entirely possible. God, I wish I could remember I just what... don't know that it. Like do they? I guess do they get to a point where they've completely restored the cradle or something in the future, and that's when he would be doing it with Hale? Yeah, just cause I don't. We don't really know. Or maybe that's why they need Abernathy, because doesn't Abernathy have like maybe a backup of the whole park? And that's, so they yeah. pull that. They want to put Abernathy back in the cradle. They put like, him back in the cradle to load, upload into the to a new system, a new cradle, essentially, to and then, repopulate. The, and then they take Bernard, because that's their whole IP. What's in Abernathy is the whole IP, right? That's what they said. Yeah, theoretically. So he's got the entire park uploaded into his brain. They take it out of him, load it into a new mesh network to fire it back up, so they can start making money again. And they need Arnold Bernard. They need Bernard Arnold in there to like figure out how to do it. Also, we have like we new have, game plus. We have new more ga- new game plus. <laughs> we have more badass computer people on the scene now too. When they show up with uh, that, with that the, Irish dude, the from, opulence uh, guy from the Geico commercials, <laughs> Coughlin, I think is yeah, the yeah. Irish dude from Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, sure. When he when he shows up and they're like, oh, we can't figure it out, sir, and he tells so and so to take a crack at it, and right away they like she manage to get yeah. something. Yeah, so maybe they have better people on hand now. Yeah, maybe they can commence this. Commence the jiggling. Maybe. Ooh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. All right. I think I've run as far as I can with this. All right. Alex <laughs> we'll, is like, on with my show. No. We'll, we'll t- <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys done? We'll, we'll, check, we'll check back in with that because I think. I love the spitballing. It's well, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly learn more. I mean, we should shoot spit, spit wads while we're here doing this. Just this, is why, this is why you need to get in the Discord so you can join in with the the, the spoiler. Yeah, actually, I, need I, need, I, need I think I need Alex link. to invite me. Yes, somehow. the spoiler yes, chat is my, so it's good. My fault. Okay. I'll send you an not. invite right now. Can I send him an invite, or is it private? It's fine. Uh, we we'll, it we'll figure it out later. Yeah. Uh, Maven crew arrive at Snow Lake. Sizemore opens up the chute to the tunnels, and Felix tumbles down it. Akane lays Sakura's heart to rest at a shrine on the lake, and Maeve says it's time to go. But Musashi and Akane decide to stay back. And she, uh, uh, Musashi has a line that says, No man is safe who refuses to defend his own land. Cowardice is a tin shield. And Akane twists Maeve owns, Maeve's own words back on her, saying, We each deserve to choose our fate, even if that fate is death. She got Nolan. Yes, she did. Hanario, and, uh, Hanario, on the other hand, decides to leave with the crew. That is, Hanario is the armistice analog, for those who didn't know, because we haven't heard her name in the show yet. Uh, the imagery here is beautiful. I don't know if they shot it on location or what they did, but 
it was. It, it was, looks gorgeous. Yeah, very and, cool location. And it looks like shrines and things that I've visited in Japan, so it seems very authentic. But um, was this practice of keeping some like flammable salts or something in there common? Are you aware, like in this era, was it was it common to keep something there and like a bit of flint or? and whatever to start a fire i don't know for sure i had like i've seen little shrines set up like that but not necessarily anything where you know they meant to like a small burnt offering of some sort yeah like it and i have a feeling nowadays they probably wouldn't use flint still they'd probably be using matches or something else in particular but um it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility i was hoping that if i looked up this heart thing that i might find something but I haven't as of yet, so maybe I'll have to ask some people at work what they know and see if there's any true uh, true DNA in that somewhere. But um, I like the respect that they all pay to each other at the end of, you know, when they part ways. Hector and Hector and uh, Musashi kind of exchanged that, it that is cool. bow, and, and it just seemed like a very... Uh, a very heartfelt goodbye even though you know they kind of just barely know each other what do you think a similar goodbye amongst humans would look like the same or just way less like the humans as presented by westworld do you think it would it would have an ounce of the integrity that what we see does probably not no i it, and well but a part of me feels like shogun world commands that respect of you <laughs> that's true in a lot of ways, nah, because in a way Westworld does not. Yes, yes. Westworld would be like spit in the palm and handshake yes, and then leave. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's you know it seems like that is very much a cultural influence that even the Westworld hosts feel when they're. I there. think that that's what's cool is watching Hector kind of be like, "What do I do? All right, I guess I'll just nod. Oh, he went for it. Okay, good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I like that scene. I don't know if there's anything else. It was great. Yeah, I really, I really loved the site of like the koi pond that was set up there and everything. Yes. I was like, man, this is cool. They should all just stay here. Yes, <laughs> seems yeah. great. Yeah, it's a little bit of a bummer that they're leaving, but I think it's okay. I think I also it was wonder, the right amount of Shogun World. I wonder if we're gonna get. Like, I, I think, and I said last week that I felt like we would only see Shogun World for one more episode. And while I am pleased to be right, I do wonder if we will see a quick cut back to Musashi and Akane like making a last stand there as like quality assurance shows up. Like, will we mm. see Musashi go down in a blade of glory? Or Blaze of Glory. Or Blade of Glory, too. Yeah. I think they have like a P90'd real fast, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> no, that's that's entirely possible. Or maybe we'll get the we'll get the Ewok celebration song scene of everybody partying when all the God. humans are dead. <laughs> oh man, that'd be so Cut over to cut over to Shogun World and Musashi like grabs her hand in like a very like I don't know if I should be doing this kind of yeah. Here we go. <laughs> First contact. Yes. Uh, but yeah, we will move on and talk about old William sharing some liquor with Emily. She's a little shocked since he never drank it out in the real world. We learn that Emily is there because Charlotte Hale invited her to the gala and she wanted to visit the Raj again since she loved it as a child. William mentions that she was scared of the elephants, but Emily cor- corrects him, saying that her mother was, as her mother was always weary of the hosts. William is impressed that Emily made it to him without a scratch, but he still wonders what she's doing there. Emily makes amends with William, saying that she never should have said Juliet's death was his fault, but she will not let him commit, quote, suicide by robot, end quote, and that he needs to leave with her. 
William agrees to head to the beach with her in the morning since that's where QA will come to rescue or secure the island. And when Emily wakes up the following morning, all but one of Lawrence's cousins have left and she's got no horse to ride out on. If I'm such a pitiable man, child, why'd you come all this way just to climb under my wing? <gasps> what? What? Is that what you think? That I came here to climb under daddy's wing? No, either that or you want a front row seat to watch me die. No, I came here because you do not get to do that to me. Suicide by robot or whatever the fuck your mission is now that these things can shoot to kill. Listen. I never got mom's reactions to you because I spent so many years buying your good guy act. She was the only one who saw through it and she paid for that. But I shouldn't have said her death was your fault. It was wrong to put that on your back. But you don't get to make that our final score. Instead, you're gonna come home with me. I'm not gonna let you stay here now and go out in some bullshit blaze of glory. That's how you're getting me out of here. Threatening. No doubt I'm asking. I love the fact that this scene cuts to black when he when he puts the cork back in the bottle. Mm-hmm. It just I, there was something about the rhythm of it once again, much like the the the, the previously on where he just kind of hits it and you get the sound effect and it cuts to black. I just thought it was very good. And Ed Harris, man, <sighs> it's a tour de force. Yeah, when Ed Harris is like close to tears, I feel like I'm just like welling up with a waterfall behind me. Man, eyes. he looked so ghoulish in this scene. Yeah. The way he was lit, I was like, he looks a million years old. <laughs> he looks like a ghoul from Fallout. Like, yeah. he looked terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't I don't think he has bionic legs by how struggled he he was to sit down. Yeah. So, I think his arms are fine. Well, but he just needs <laughs> an oil can. <laughs> yeah, maybe. They got to roll up. a little hit, a WD-40. With the tin, the tin man <laughs> rolls up. Could you up. imagine if when he was walking, they were just rusting noises? <laughs> <laughs> and they all stop and like, wait, what was that? And he's like, standing there. I don't know. I don't know. And they start walking again, <laughs> trying to cover it up. Lawrence pulls out an oil can. Yeah, here you go, buddy. He's li- he's old Bill. Old yeah. Bill. <laughs> old Bill certainly has those. I think I've given up hope on old Bill ever reappearing. Don't give oh, up man. hope. I want to see him so bad. But that way, I'll be I'll be delighted and surprised. I'll have That's the true. face Ed Harris had at the end of season one, <laughs> <laughs> full of wonder and delight. Here, oh. I, here he is. All right. So, what do you think? Do you think he is that much of a dick that he would leave her, or does he still think that it's just Ford fucking with him? See, that's the thing. Like the the issue I'm having with this this whole scene in regards to their relationship is trying, still trying to figure out like, is he a host? Is she a host? Uh, or is he just that bad of a dad that he didn't recognize the fact that it was you know her mother that was scared of the elephants? Or is that a detail that because of fidelity, like she is using it as a test to recognize whether or not he's a host? Yada or yada, he, or vice he, versa. Yeah, or, or he vice was versa. Right. So. 
Can you write? Uh, can you add that bad of a dad to the MFM <laughs> movies <laughs> list? Does that come after insert dad here and or delete, delete old, old dad? dad. <laughs> yeah, it's a dad trilogy. <laughs> that bad of a dad. I think it's a Dr. <laughs> Seuss uh, legacy book. Oh, um, in the in the Dr. Seuss verse, he never wrote that one. No, if Dr. Seuss is like Ford and he has <laughs> uploaded himself. Oh man! If somebody wrote a Westworld book and illustrated it like a Doctor Seuss oh, book, it would be that so would be good. amazing. That, that would be wonderful. And one, the first one could be titled "That Bad of a Dad," and it's like the man <laughs> in black. Just the man in black, <laughs> yeah. Just and as, as and a he's bad tapping dad. his foot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um. I yeah, I I just I had trouble with this scene because I I like I don't know who's who anymore. I feel like I feel like I'm I'm or trying who, or who's what who's what right. And but I still I. Man, if he doesn't have bionic arms, I'm gonna be so pissed. I swear <laughs> to God, like, because I'm pretty sure he does. Um, this is my favorite theory <laughs> of all of them. I laughed so hard. I told Alex when I was listening to the episodes you guys did before I came back. I was like, I was dying listening to John talk about that. I and just want every episode. There's a little bit of evidence. I just he want has to put that cork in so, so gently because if he used his full strength, he would just fire the cork. <laughs> yeah. Bottle, oh yeah. Like a missile. Exactly, man. He's like gentle. Here we go, yeah. And that could explain his like perfect shot, you know, like he's always on mark with his gunplay and if he's a host or if he has bionic arms. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Both. Uh I am not convinced she isn't a host. Yeah. However, and it's easy to say, well, what about the Raj stuff? We didn't need that. And how would if if she is there because of Ford, if Ford made he's like, Man, I'm gonna get him so good. And made her as a host, put her in the Raj, just hoping she would wash up in Westworld. You know what I mean? It's a little, I guess, unless that didn't happen. What if she just woke up on the water? That's where he planted her. And she thought, although the tiger's actually there. Hmm. Yeah. My my kind of thought about it was, what if it's Ford from the cradle? What if Ford's game for William is to make him choose the park or his life? I th- I no I agree. That's why I think she is a host. I think okay. he's he's pushing her in that direction, and that's why I think he's he's obviously tearing up because he is. He, I think he knows he's in that position. Like this this host is there to to make to call these things into question. I really like how he kind of tested her by the elephant thing. Yeah, and either it was either two things. Either it was a test, and she passed. Or she failed. Either way, he might be reacting with those tears because it's a good likeness and it's making him think of his daughter. Or he genuinely said that because he let his guard down and she replied with the wrong answer and that's why he's tearing up because of this whole encounter. Because it's just a manufactured encounter. The brilliance of the of this show in general, but also these particular little moments, is you can you can talk, you can logically reason your way in any direction you want to in that moment. It's a yeah. lot, It's the thing I think is brilliant about Inception. When people say Inception doesn't make any sense, I'm like, yes, it does. There is there is a cover for every single, there's a contingency for every single hole you might try to poke into the movie. Yeah. Even if it doesn't, if, even if it can't be proven, it's it holds enough water that you can't say it's a weakness. You can, you can headcanon your way into and out of And I don't mean to continually that. just lump Jonathan and Christopher into the same collective wheelbarrow like they just are only one hive mind. Although, man, that would make a lot of sense. <laughs> but they, they think... The so, Nolan Mesh Network. I think, <laughs> <laughs> they think similarly. I think they have a lot of the same sensibilities, which is really cool. But anyway, there's a reason they work so well together. Um, but I think that that scene, those tears could be read in so many different directions. And he, even if he did ask her the elephant question, knowing the correct answer, 
Knowing he said it falsely and hoped that she would reply with the correct answer, it still doesn't prove that 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 she isn't a host because Ford was here when she came here as a girl. He might know that. And she, if they were tracking everything that the ho- that exactly, the guests do, exactly. then, then he would it doesn't, know that. Ultimately, it doesn't prove anything. But that's that, so. If we dial it back to when she's introduced as an adult or whatever, she's in the Raj. Um, she shoots that other dude with the gun. It doesn't kill him. He's clearly human, but she never gets shot yeah. and proven as a host or not. So it's still... But when she washes up on the shore, she gets taken by Ghost Nation. They don't so kill her, so they it's might like, know that she's a human. There's bits, you know. Unless Ford well, is controlling all of them, and he's using them to w- separate the humans and move hosts. Move people around. And he knows. like If Ford is in there, we know he is, and he's all seeing, all commanding. He's he's Flynn essentially. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just stop there. <laughs> like I I Could my you picture Anthony Hopkins with an identity disc oh, just walking around. Don't even don't even <laughs> uh, holding it above his head at the IO tower. Yeah, just, uh, the, just to leave the <laughs> the fact that. My idea that Ford maybe is orchestrating, maybe Ford orchestrated the stuff in the Raj to get Emily to her father kind of, to me, at least makes it so that it doesn't matter whether or not she's a host. Like, she could still be a human and Ford maybe still tried to orchestrate the event. Yeah, like, he's still doing that. To which, bring her there. That's because. True. Like when they're when her and her male companion are in the Raj or whatever, and the hosts are trying to separate them to keep them from you know having sex. Yeah. Essentially, that beca- the reason being is because then they can't like take their DNA. Like the hosts can't yeah. remove DNA and store it or whatever they do with the DNA at that point. So I would assume that's what they were doing. Is like okay, why would these two guests want to have sex with them, each other as opposed to like one of the hosts so that you know like we have to keep them separated so that we can do our job of taking dna and storing it so or maybe 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 william just made it so that she couldn't bang anything in the park (laughs) yeah he turned it all off ultimate chastity belt digital dad dad, yeah dad's digital chastity belt (laughs) those aol parental controls she may have also if she is a host she may have always been a host in the raj that ford put there because she always loved the Raj, maybe he just was like, I'll stick her there in, in the event of like a contingency if I ever need a host version of her. Interesting. She may, and she may have been there unbeknownst to William. I don't think William gives a shit about the Raj. Yeah. So she may have been there for 20 years. Who knows? Like an adult version. Although she looks, if she grew up to look like that, then it, that wouldn't make sense. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe she was already there. Yeah. Who knows? Who indeed? The Nolan, Nolan Mesh Network knows. Yes, they do. Uh, Bernard and Elsie enter the cradle. We see many control units and casings like branches on trees, which I thought was awesome. Elsie calls it a hive mind while Bernard is more dismissive, saying it's just code. Bernard recalls being there to do something, but not exactly what. And Elsie still can't see what's behind the curtain making the cradle fight back. So Bernard offers to go in. He gets auto-extracted into the cradle and wakes up on the train to Sweetwater in ultra-wide aspect ratio. He sees the Mesa and disembarks in Sweetwater to find everything operating as it normally would. The shit was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was so rad. Like, I got not emotional, but like, I had the feeling watching Bernard 
I almost hesitated what to call him, but watching Bernard <laughs> be on the train like a new new game, like a new player would, or like essentially in Teddy's place, sort yeah. of. Uh, walking through Sweetwater, watching Sweetwater function as it's supposed to, watching Dolores emerge the way she should, just like the good old days, so to speak. Yeah. I was like, man, this is what it feels like. like just watching it and remembering what the show was like in episode one, it reminded me, I was like, this is what happens when I pull out like my Xbox 360, dust it off, pop in a game <laughs> that I loved, or like even started, no, even better. It's like starting a new game in Skyrim, <laughs> yeah. which I've done, you know, eight times or something, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in Skyrim it's a lot. And <laughs> and you got to sit through that fucking intro scene every <laughs> well, time. God, yeah, that's the train the ride. Worst. Uh, you're, except yeah, in a train, it's a little carriage. carriage right? yeah. <laughs> but I mean, although you've played it so many times and you know each of those beats like the back of your hand, it's there's something to me anyway that's so refreshing and like fun and nostalgic and comfortable about playing through that again. And that, that's just kind of the same sense I got. It's especially when you leave that, when you leave Helgen in Skyrim and you emerge into the world and then you are like, go whichever direction you want. It doesn't matter what you do. It's, it's up to you. Yeah. That to me in the, in the mo the first time running into Riverwood is essentially this. And like all the characters are moving as they should be. They're all at their places. That's exactly what I thought of. And I was like, this is giving me some feeling and I just don't know how to describe <laughs> it. It was just, uh, it was great. That's my video game analog yeah. for today. That's so, good. It's a good one. Thank you. Maybe um, Red Dead Redemption would have been a better comparison, I, but you know, I think it works. I think we all know regardless. Skyrim enough. We yeah. get it for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like the I like the visual look of the cradle bathed in red light. The fact that like the the pearls are just like on the end of trees in these casings, I feel like is just a very interesting like representation of that entire host backup like all of them are stored in those individual nodes on the network and can be like plucked out and copied or something like that if they need to not that they would need to like physically pluck it out but they could just digitally copy it did you Um, guys talk about the name the cradle while i wasn't here a little bit yeah john john pulled up like the etymology of it saying that it was like the the where something is nurtured or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. We did touch on it for a second, though. It, I think I remember that because I remember thinking while I was listening to it that you guys didn't talk about Goldeneye. And that no. in Goldeneye, have you seen the movie Goldeneye? I assume you've both played the game. Back in like 1998. Yeah, it's been a long time, dude. Okay, you played the game though, right? Yes. Did you at least play through the campaign? Back in like 19... No. I only <laughs> ever played the multiplayer. That's all. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, you guys missed out on a good story. <laughs> it's good. It's a great game. Anyway, the... The final area in the game is called the cradle, mm-hmm. and it's it's in the movie and the game, obviously. But it's like the essentially the the mechanism that controls the GoldenEye satellite. Okay, it is the command center essentially. It's also where the climax of the movie takes place. But as soon as they said it in this show, as soon as I heard the phrase "the cradle," the first thing I could think of was GoldenEye. But I probably spent a lot more hours than you guys playing that game. Yeah, I've also seen the movie like a million times because it's great. Yeah, but um, uh. That's the first thing I thought of. And the cradle in, in GoldenEye is like, it's a command center, but it's also really interesting because it actually has to be like, it's like a satellite array, basically, sort of. It has to be positioned in like a certain direction to like, to command the GoldenEye satellite. Yeah. Anyway, it's really cool. But that's the first thing I thought of. And it seems to almost serve this sort of a similar purpose that it's sort of a command center of sorts. Well, and I, I think, think the, I think the meaning, it has double meaning in the show. It's It's also a place where like Ford is able to, to go with the word nurture, like develop and grow something. But I think it also might serve as like his sort of where he can control and command everything. We think it's up on the the plateau there, 
but I think the cradle might be the real like mind of the park. From what we know about the cradle, there were lots of questions on the on the Reddit quick questions of like what is the cradle and to me what it was previously was like this is where they kept all the backups but they also like from the the verbiage that is out there on the like hbo westworld websites that they own they say that the cradle is like the simulation engine of the park so they can take simulations in the cradle they can run up all of these hosts against each other in different ways to engineer storylines and kind of see how it would play out given different parameters which is kind of which comes back to my thoughts on ford using it to run the fidelity tests on his arnold creation or even i think because delos the clone delos says something about how the uh he says something to William about, oh, so you're doing something. Your your toy, your fancy toy that you made with my investment does something, or it actually works. Because I think William did use the cradle in some way to mm. to construct that consciousness or something. We'll find out more in the future. But now that Ford is in there, which we don't know as of yet but now that ford is in there it's taking on its own mind of like being the actual control engine like he's controlling everything from the cradle right whereas that wasn't necessarily its purpose previously but it had the potential to be yeah so uh bernard has a line he says pain the pain's just a program which i thought was very interesting for him the idea him embracing his hostness and kind of being like, you know, yeah, I'm going to feel this thing, but it's really nothing. I don't know. It's weird. It's kind of a weird, like, he seems very dismissive of the tech of all of it, despite the fact that he is a host. He's a nihilist. Yeah, he's like this weird nihilistic being in the hosts. I think it's also sort of a somewhat of a, I don't want to say it's a coping mechanism, but it kind of is him just kind of, He's rationalizing. Yeah, exactly. The way that people do, like when they're diagnosed with something terminal, like you find a way to eventually find a way to rationalize it and, and lets you assess it yeah. neutrally, looking at it yeah. objectively. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's the same is true for us, really. Pain is essentially, at its core, sort of a program. It's your body just telling you a message, basically. Right, it's an instinctual response. And people say that they can, you know, you can obviously build up pain tolerances and pain thresholds and some people, you know, certain, especially like religions and stuff, people think they can transcend pain and uh yeah. ignore parts of it which is interesting yeah but anyway uh all right next up <clears throat> coughlin and crew parachute onto the top of the mesa to begin extracting abernathy and also take c- control of the park back uh and he seems to be very dismissive of stubs we've talked about this a little bit ashley yeah that mr mr ashley stubs that was funny he's like yes ashley oh. he's like, <laughs> really yeah basically yeah um, but yeah, I don't know that there's a whole lot to say about them. I'm wondering if they all end up dead. That's kind of my guess is that they fail because Dolores pops in and kills everyone. And that's why Strand gets sent Yeah, with a much bigger team and more bodies and that kind of thing. Um, Coughlin is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, he seems like a very interesting character. I'm excited to see more of him and how he and Dolores's crew kind of bounce off of each other, literally and figuratively. Um, 
Maeve and crew make it out of the tunnels and Sizemore has surprisingly brought them back uh, back out right at the homestead. Maeve decides to go it alone and retrieve her daughter. Uh, we get some good dialogue between Maeve and Sizemore, as there usually is. Mm-hmm. She says, yes, you can enjoy your one admiral contribution. But then she actually gives him like a sincere thank you. Which, to me, kind of weighed on him as like a, oh, should I really call back up like I planned to with my phone thing that I took from last week? But, ultimately, we see he decides to do it anyway. Sizemore is interesting. He's kind of, I realized in this episode, he's kind of taken on this weird, like, sort of like ferryman role for Maeve. Like, if we kind of flip this, what would be the instinctual script and make Maeve sort of the protagonist of that story, which I guess she is, but... You know, I think we will want to try to assign that to humans where we can, but it's obviously that that left the station a long time ago. Yeah, um, he's kind of guiding her through this whole journey. He's mm-hmm. the one who knows the ways, and it's almost like sort of a Dante's Inferno kind of thing too. Like he's guiding her through all these like circles of hell, sort of, and uh, where all these trials that she's sort of passing and learning more and more about herself. I mean. A lot of the stuff that she's learning, though, and a lot of the things that are happening to her are kind of happening between episodes. We don't see her in the wholesale slaughter of all those Shogun. We just see yeah. the aftermath, so it's easy to kind of forget about some of that stuff. But she's gone through some shit just to try to get to this girl. I think it's pretty cool Yeah, that she's like gone almost to hell and back. I mean, she comes out of a grave, like in this scene, like <laughs> yeah, literally. Sure. She, it's like it's like to hell and back, and they emerge from like this this grave. It's awesome. Yeah, and and Sizemore is like. I've liked him more and more and more and more every episode this season. And by this point, I almost, I'm like, man, he's a great character. Like, they've actually done some pretty remarkable stuff with him. I think it's awesome. For sure. No, it it was certainly, I don't want to call it character rehab, but it kind of was considering where I feel like most of us, how most of us felt about him in season one. I think they're just that good. Yeah. That they they wanted to keep him in their back pocket. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, it helps that he's the writer too. It kind of is a good foil for that too. Like we're saying, like a lot of the stuff that's happening in the story is reflective of him, and watching it bounce off of him is really good too. Yeah, well, and that's something that was mentioned on Decoding Westworld last week is that he was essentially giving like director's commentary yeah. in real life, and he still is, is sort of authoring the story of Maeve by bringing her through all this kind of stuff. He still is contributing to this narrative, whether yeah. he knows it or not. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Old William and Lawrence find themselves in Ghost Nation territory and end up getting attacked. Not a whole lot here. I'm kind of curious why we see that. If it's going to put them in some place that they need to be for next episode, or if they're being, I wondered if they were being herded in a similar way that Maeve is as well. I'm I'm waiting to see who they intersect with. Yes, I feel like they're on their way to run into somebody. So, but uh, he does have a good line. He says, I'm going to bleed you both like goats if you don't shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And then we get to one of the very big scenes in the episode. Uh, Maeve heads down to her former homestead to see her daughter sitting on the porch. She sits down and talks to her, learning that her daughter has a mother and daughter doll, or dolls, and she doesn't want the bad man to take her daughter away again. Maeve says that Anna's mother would never let that happen again and only and only to be interrupted by another voice that her daughter calls Mama. Maeve stands in horror and disbelief as Ghost Nation, led by Akechida, rides up and ta- to take them away. Maeve runs and tries to get away but trips and Akechida tells her, Come with us, we are meant for the same path. But Maeve replies, Your path leads to hell. Interesting, given what Nick was just saying about going through hell. 
Uh, Sizemore, Felix, and Sylvester aren't sure what to do. Sizemore pulls out his comm unit to call Delos for help, and Felix gets angry, choosing to head down and help Maeve instead. What's her name? Anna. Is this her sister? That's her mommy. Oh, I bet she loves Anna so much. She doesn't want Anna to get taken away again. Who would take her away? Bad man? No. You see, Anna's mother is very, very strong. And she would never, ever let anything like that happen again. Hello? Mama! Can I help you? Uh, yeah, so... We, we called this yeah. a million years ago. Yep. Maeve, Maeve finding her daughter who, once again, has a new mother. Yeah, I don't understand what part of her wouldn't have seen that coming. Just, but maybe just love and blind hope, or just pure denial. Yep. Yeah, just the idea that like this is my daughter, and my daughter will recognize me. Yeah, I think that's what it deals with. Like because she's able to recall those memories, like maybe her daughter would too when seeing her face. You know, yeah. but yeah, and I think it'll be interesting to see if she's kind of like I think. I mean, her daughter's not scared of her. Obviously, you know, like yeah. there's no apprehension to like sit and talk with her or anything no. like that. So. And I, I wondered if the daughter's th- story there was something that was written for her or if it was something that she's kind of developed in her own, of her own accord. The right. idea of the child being a ta- being taken away from the daughter. Like I think it might have been written. I, I feel like Ford's behind this. I don't, I don't want to keep blaming everything on Ford, the, the boogeyman, but <laughs> if Maeve is such a player, has emerged as such a dominant player in this game, I could see him. It was Ford giving her that to kind of... Mm-hmm. draw it out of Maeve he's kind of he's kind of cruel too yeah yeah um, I think it's great that Maeve is operating on love so much and Dolores is operating on hate so much and yes. I I'm I felt like we all saw this coming and I just want to know where it's going to go from here because now I don't know how she's going to react if she's going to continue on a path of like goodness or if she's going to turn like evil too saying like oh they wiped my daughter right yeah and well like what I'm wondering what part of it like how is she going to she clearly knows that she could unlock her daughter's mind but will she choose to do it or not yeah after the lessons she just learned in sushi world and yes absolutely um kind of weird that she doesn't try to use her mind trickery especially when she speaks lakota to them she should be able to do that over the mesh network but maybe that's coming we don't really see how that ends out yeah, I feel like just her instincts to protect her daughter kicked in, and she just rather was than on autopilot, rather than turn into like, yeah, Jedi mode. She That's just fair. fled. She also, in the moment, may have not been able to speak Lakota. It may have taken her a beat to like figure access it. Out. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is the first thing I thought too. Because as soon as they were riding up there, I was like, oh man, does she speak that? Yeah, and then and she did. I was like, okay, so she does now. Yeah, it's like the Matrix. I learned how to fly a helicopter. <laughs> I know kung fu. I know Lakota. 
Uh, all right, Dolores. Second Matrix reference. Yes, yeah, reference. that's good. Surprised we don't make more, to be honest. <laughs> Dolores tells Teddy that her father told her to run from Westworld, and Teddy comments that he didn't think he'd want to leave, but quote, "I suppose you fixed that too." He offers Phil the tech a bullet and a gun, as it's the last of his mercy, and that he better use it fast. Angela unlocks the caboose from the rest of the train and allows it to speed ahead. Nicole wanted me to share a uh, a parallel that she made because there's a song in the new Taylor Swift line or song or in, there's a line in the new Taylor Swift song where she's like, "New Taylor can't or t- Taylor can't come to the phone right now because she's dead," or "Old Taylor can't come to the phone right now because she's dead," and she's like, "It's Teddy. <laughs> Old Teddy can't come to the phone right now because he's dead." Oh my God, and I was like, "Yeah, that's basically <laughs> what's going on here." Um, Taylor is forward confirmed. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is where that real like spite, like Teddy seems kind of spiteful about the fact that he got. Definitely very passive aggressive. Yes. Which is great. Passive aggressive Marsden is a it's good like, Marsden. It's like angry teenage Marsden. <laughs> yeah, like from that show that he was on in like the early 90s. Can't remember the name of it though. It's about like a family and like a big. Big family. Yeah, I don't know. They, I think they they owned a zoo or something like that. Delete old dead? Yes. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> Delete old Teddy. He was super angry on that show. I remember that. Well, it's like uh, I know Willie's favorite scene of him is in Sex Drive, Sex Drive when he's yeah. beating up when the garage. Takes apart the garage door. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's so funny. But yeah. I no. can't wait to see Marsden just as in like an old man. What's he going to be like? Oh, I don't know. Besides immaculate looking? Yeah. You just uh, have you ever it. seen something so full of splendor? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's he's one of those guys where every time I, I mean, I've oh, I've enjoyed him since like X Men. I thought he was great yeah. since even the first X Men. But I always like forget about him, and then like he'll be cast in something like oh he'll probably be great, and then he is. He's always it, it's the same thing with Woody Harrelson. I just saw Solo, and I was like, man, Woody Harrelson is always good. I've mm. never seen him put in a bad performance and Marsden is the same way no matter yeah. like what type of character he's playing so just keep giving him more characters in Westworld just different <laughs> variants of Teddy for sure absolutely him uh, and Lewis Hurthum will just have a schizo off <laughs> him giving that bullet to the guy awesome it's just yeah I and and Phil being completely horrified at the situation mm-hmm. that he's about to face <sighs> rough rough stuff um all right, two more scenes left. Coughlin and crew make it to the control room, and Attack is complaining about his difficulty trying to regain control of the system. Hale comes up saying that Abernathy is in Auxiliary Lab 3, and Coughlin is pissed that she left him down there. They restore the map and note that the train is heading straight for them as they hear an explosion. Teddy, Dolores, and Angela watch on as it happens, and Elsie wonders what the sound is as Bernard is inside the cradle. We spoke about some of this earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's much else to say. I'm wondering if the shots that we've seen of Bernard shooting the P90 are going to come after this. We've seen shots of that? Like yeah. The, oh, and like his moments of remembering. When he was slipping through time in the first episode, there are shots of him freaking out in the control room and also mm-hmm. using the P90 That's to right. kill a bunch of people. So it should happen at some point soon, I would think. Also... I don't. The bear wasn't in there. Oh, there wow, was no that's bear awesome. in there. Right. So there's got somehow there's going to be a bear in the where control is room. Bear? Yes, where is bear? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, <sighs> someone's putting in cheat codes. Bear's going to appear out of nowhere. <laughs> Spawn bear. Yeah, 
Spawn bear here, please. Increase aim. <laughs> yes. Bear aim? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's P90 aim. Aim bear. Oh, there you go. All right, and then finally we return to ultra wide widescreen in the cradle. Bernard sees Dolores in her same old blue dress. He spots a dog that looks an awful like Jock, Ford's dog from season one, and it heads into the Mariposa. He walks in. Uh, he walks past Teddy on his way in, and Bernard looks over at the piano. Jock lays at the foot of it with Ford playing the piano. He pauses and says, "Hello, old friend." As soon as I saw Jock, I was like, "Oh!" Yeah. Well, as soon as like you see the the gray haired man sitting at the piano, I was like, "That's Ford." Well, no, but not like the like when the dog is on the street. I was like, "That dog is Jock." Yeah, like that is the that is Ford's old dog that Bernard or Arnold made a copy of, and. I was Ford was in there. Yeah, yeah, I was like, "Oh my god, this is where we're going with this." Mm-hmm. And god, it was incredible. It was a good moment. It was a great reveal. <sighs> so excited for Hopkins. I'm very excited for and you know what? I'm kind of happy that it's not necessarily like a Hopkins put himself in a body. Like the idea that it's digital Hopkins and not he Like it felt to me like he would be kind of I think I think it would have undercut his death if he just re- like kept a copy of himself to be killed or he That's what I was going to ask. Came back. Do you think I think the Ford that died is real Ford. But okay. I also think that this is this is transcendence. This is him living out a digital life as an AI construct that has been recreated from his consciousness before he died. Yeah. Wow. So it's not do you or do you think then if it does follow those parameters that we just described, is it not truly Ford then, but a continuation of Ford? Like Ford, the man who was born and created Westworld, is dead and gone. This is just a furtherance of him, essentially. It's a transcendence. Like that, it, I don't know that there's really any other great way to say it. Sorry, Wally Fister, but, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, no, it's, it's, he, that's all. That's all. That it, it's back to that philosophical question of if you replace every part of a boat, is it still the same boat? Mm-hmm. And you can debate that question forever, but I don't know that you'll ever actually arrive at an answer. Like I, well, think, I mean, our bodies like recreate cells repeatedly over time. I think there's a sp- there's a specific amount of time where like we no longer have the same cells we had in yeah. us in our entire body. Uh, like eight years previously or something like that. So. Yeah. So it's like it, it. I don't know. Like it's it's a very interesting question. It's it's certainly the like was that Delos in the James Delos bodies or just something that thought it was Delos or yeah or a facsimile of him and I think I think it comes down to like for all intents and purposes. That is James Delos. That is Ford in living in that computer as a digital being at this point. Digital biodigital jazz man, for <laughs> maybe, sure. Maybe he knew because of them testing out on Delos that he couldn't put his consciousness into a body. He just decided to stay a part of the mesh network in order to retain stability. Which yeah, and like I think that that might be part of the key that he has from William of like, oh, you're never going to actually figure that out because that's not how it's going to work necessarily. But I don't know. It's pretty awesome. I mean the the 
the potential. This is the moment in this season that I was waiting for is for the potential to be blown wide open again, like the way it was in season one. It felt like we were just following some paths and season two so far to see where they would wind up. And they think they all wind up here. Yeah. This is pretty, pretty great. And I, and I guess I'll modify my previous idea of like, maybe it's not necessarily that Ford is workshopping a full Arnold consciousness, but he's gathering as much data about Arnold that he can, so he can upload it into Bernard. Mm. So it won't be Arnold, but he'll have Arnold's memories. He'll know what Arnold was doing with Dolores. He'll have because Dolores asks Bernard at Fort Forlorn Hope, like, "Is there any amount of him in you? Like, is there any Arnold left in you?" Mm-hmm. And for him to maybe regain some of that will allow him to. You know, be useful to Dolores or help Ford in this quest or whatever's going on. What do you think is Ford's quest before? I think we left season one thinking he wanted. I think you and I both had different ideas. I think I was kind of thinking he wanted humans to fight for their right to Earth and to to the position of the dominant species on the planet. He wanted them to earn it. And I think you were kind of like Ford is ready to burn it all to the ground and let the host take over. Like he's finally there where Arnold was, you know, 30 years prior or whatever. I think this is, I personally want it to be Ford's apology to Arnold. Do you think he wants to mend the fences between hosts and humans? Or do you think he is not interested in that battle anymore either? He just, it's just strictly personal. Even then he can't apologize to Arnold because Arnold is dead. Like, is this about making himself feel better? Is it a, an apology to the world because he robbed it of Arnold? <laughs> well, I think I think it's because he says in season one, like any man who, uh, any a man whose mistakes take many years to fix must be quite the man is mm-hmm. kind of what he says, and I think he's trying to somewhat fix those mistakes. Gotcha. Because Arnold recognized the hosts are. A life form. A life form. And the one, maybe the ones that need to inherit the earth. I think Ford is kind of of the mind of like, I need to get these hosts into a place where they have that chance to take over the world. But maybe he still wants to let the hosts and the humans shake out whether or not humans should be a thing anymore or not. Gotcha. That's kind of where I'm at. Any other thoughts, John? No, I'm just like my mind's a little blown thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's the end of the recap. We did get an email from Matt. He said, hey, guys, fresh off the episode. Here's what I've been thinking about most. Number one, Ford is back, question mark, and seems to be controlling things from inside the cradle. Seems to be, quote, normal, end quote, in there for now. Um, yeah. I remember, I, I, like, I think David Chen had said something like, a, it's pretty weird that like everyone like Ford was able to plan everything to do like he's like we're reaching saw levels of mm. of coincidence for Ford being able to plan everything out but I think Ford is literally in there like when Ford speaks through young Ford that's Ford in the cradle controlling young Ford right. to go talk to William at the beginning right he essentially has a monitor and a microphone and yep. he's able to yeah, I agree. I would agree with that for sure. I, I think that's got it. So, so it's not so much that he orchestrated all of this before he died. I mean, he had to orchestrate a lot of it. We got to give him some credit there, but for sure. But he's been able to control things 
since since then yes. as well and monitor the situation and adapt and react to it as he's well a, he's just a master chess player basically yeah he's able to orchestrate some and then improvise and adapt and react based on response apt yeah uh, Matt's second question. He says, "When is the opening scene in the timeline?" I think he's speaking of the Dolores and Bernard scene, mm-hmm. which, as I said previously, I think takes place in the cradle. We don't really know exactly when it's happening, but that might not matter because it's in the cradle. Like it could just you be think a it's simulation. In the cradle or you don't. You don't think it's in that secret bunker? I think it's in that secret bunker in the cradle. That like, I think it's a simulation. Cradle? I thought that bunker was like further out. Well, no, but the cr- I think the cradle. The cradle, oh, okay, I got like it. in yeah, simulation I got okay. in the cradle I, yeah, is I was what just, I'm saying. Yeah. I was messing up. Okay, no. I got but you. I, I, think, I think that is like that's one of 10,000 cycles that have run within a millisecond of Ford being in there trying to mine out right, as yeah. much Arnold as he can. We don't know how time works in the cradle, which is so enticing. He just yeah. needs more GPUs to get his Arnold coin going. That's true, yeah. Man, Arnold coin? Think, the, yeah, yeah, think about how many Arnold coins. The coin Bernard chain is broken. He's got to <laughs> fix it with the GPUs. <laughs> Think of this is how blockchains uh, take I, over. I the love world. I love this idea of how time moves differently uh, between the two because even before Tron Legacy came out, when you and I were talking about it, we were trying to reason out what the math might be inside the grid. Yeah, like if, what is if, a cycle? If Flynn has been missing from the real world for thirty-five years or, or twenty-five years, how long is it? I think it's thirty years. Thirty years, say between. Uh, the real world and and if it's been 30 30 years our time how long has it been in the grid could it have been like 10,000 is years? he 400 years old exactly <laughs> yeah is he insane like yeah what is uh, the passage of time what does that do to your mind is, is the number one thing i always come back to is like you know we can only withstand so much time and i think every story of immortality never ends well well it's very nolan-y with like interstellar mm-hmm. in the sense of like being down on the planet yep. you experience what but then back up on the ship there 30 years later yeah. Like it's that, but on a microscopic level as opposed to a planetary level. Do you think now Anthony Hopkins' tweet of him dancing around like a goofball <laughs> is that canon? Is that him in uh in yeah, Westworld? That was yeah, that's uh that's a that's a cradle simulation that's Ford. uh for dancing to <laughs> Let me see uh, how this tweet will do. Let me run the simulation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh Matt's third question. He said William is the worst dad ever. Literally left her with one guy in a park of killer robots, though he did note that she had made it to him without a scratch. Look forward to hearing a recap and analysis. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I still think he's skeptical of it actually being his daughter. Is my. I think standpoint. it's a combination of that and it when he says a line like "You may be more from my from my line than I thought." Then you like to you like to maybe admit. He, he's like she can take it if yeah. she really wants this. He's gonna make her go through this gauntlet. She, yeah, she's got to play a game too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which obviously she's up to the challenge because she came to the park anyways. You mm-hmm. know, she, it's For not sure. like she knew it was going to be tough. You know, so God, I wonder how many parks there are still. When she said the Raj is her favorite, is it just her favorite of three or? Well, we know there's six at least. That's oh, so good. We know there's six. We know there's Westworld, Shogun World, and the Raj, and there are three more that have not been uncovered. There's there got to be, be a medieval one. Has to be a medieval one, like yeah. a fantasy one. Yeah, I would think so. Rome? Do you think the Roman one is there? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> so Are they all built on like similar empires? Well, and there's also Jurassic World. You Ooh, know? that's entirely possible. The dinosaur. I, I like those movies so much more if they prove to be just a giant tie-in. <laughs> yeah, to Westworld. <laughs> 
All right. I think that's it. Thanks to Matt for that email. Yes, thank yeah, you, thanks, Matt. Matt. Thank you, uh, thank you, Fred, for emailing earlier as well. Uh, once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on Westworld.fm. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Podcasts. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can email us westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and send your thoughts on HBO's Westworld. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has several other shows about video games, like the one hosted by John, who's here. Indeed. Horror movies and more. Check out all of our shows at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme song, our theme music is the song Industrial Cinematic by Kevin McLeod, and it is being used under an Attribution Creative Commons license. That's it for our episode this week. We're excited for the next episode of Westworld, and we'll have another episode of our podcast out after that. But until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber. 